0: A lot of times if you really follow the words of the worship the way they put it together it walks you through all the scriptures we're going to study today and through the whole message so if you feel like you got it you can go ahead and go and beat the baptist to lunch so we're talking about knowing God through the trinity this morning and to start it out we have just a video to help explain um, how difficult difficult it can be to understand this concept of God and father son and holy spirit so uh, let's start out with this very serious video
1: Okay, Patrick, tell us a bit more about this Trinity thing. Yeah, Patrick, tell us. But remember that we're simple people without your fancy education and books and learning, and we're hearing about all of this for the first time, so try to keep it simple. Okay, Patrick? Yeah, real simple, Patrick.
2: Sure, there are uh, three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, yet there is only one God.
1: Don't get what you're saying
2: here, Patrick.
1: Not picking up what you're laying down here, Patrick. Could you use an analogy, Patrick?
2: Sure. Uh the Trinity is like uh water and how you can find water in three different forms: liquid and ice and vapor.
1: That's modalism, Patrick. What? Mortalism, an ancient heresy confessed by teachers such as Noetus and Sibelius, which espouses that God is not three distinct persons, but that he merely reveals himself in three different forms. This heresy was clearly condemned in Canon 1 at the First Council of Constantinople in 381 AD, and those who confess it cannot rightly be considered a part of the Church Catholic. Come on, Patrick! Yeah, get it together, Patrick! Uh,
2: Okay, Uh, then the Trinity is like uh, the sun in the sky, where you have the star... And the light and the heat. Oh, Patrick.
1: Come on, Patrick. That's Arianism, Patrick. Arianism? Yes, Arianism, Patrick. A theology which states that Christ and the Holy Spirit are creations of the Father and not one in nature with him. Exactly like how heat and light are not the star itself, but are merely creations of the star. That's a
2: bad analogy, Patrick. You're the worst, Patrick. Alright, sorry. The Trinity is like uh, this three-leaf clover here.
1: I'm gonna stop you right there, Patrick. Yeah, hold your horses, Patrick. You're about to confess partialism. Partialism? Yes, partialism, a heresy which asserts that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not distinct persons of the Godhead, but are different parts of God, each composing one third of the
2: divine. And who confesses the heresy of partialism?
1: The first season of the cartoon program Voltron, where five robot lion cars merge together to form one giant robot samurai,
2: obviously. I've never heard of Voltron.
1: Of course you haven't. It's not going to exist for another 1,500 years now, Patrick. Yeah, get with the program, Patrick. I mean really, Patrick. I'm going to stab you in the face, Patrick. (laughs) Okay, that was probably a bit much.
2: All right, I'll try again. Uh, the Trinity is like how the same man can be a husband and a father and an employer. Moralism again. All right, then it's like the three layers of an app. Partialism revisited. Fine. The Trinity is a mystery which cannot be comprehended by human reason, but is understood only through faith and is best confessed in the words of the Athanasian Creed, which states that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance, that we are compelled by the Christian truth to confess that each distinct person is God and Lord, and that the deity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is is one equal in glory, co-equal in majesty.
1: Well, why didn't you just say that, Patrick? Yeah, quit beating around the bush, Patrick. Now let's all put on some giant green foam hats, get riotously drunk, and vomit in the Chicago River to celebrate our conversion.
0: It's true. It's true. Our conception of God in Trinity is mysterious. We believe in a triune God, that three distinct persons form one God, that one God is uh, encountered by us in three distinct persons. Now, I can't explain how three are one or one is three, but it just is. It is how we experience God. And so even though in our human levels of understanding, we can't put that all together, we simply confess it that in God's power and infinite ability, It is true. There's lots of scriptures that allude to the Trinity, and we'll see several of them today. A lot of Bible study today, but we'll just start here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 4. Paul is super excited about the one thing that binds the whole universe together, and here's how he says it. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to the one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. He's excited how one thing binds us all together, and yet he can't help but say that that one thing is one spirit, one Lord, one Father. There's no way around it. Now, someone famously uh, said once, I get God the Father. I can ma- imagine that. And I can certainly imagine Christ the Son. We have all those stories in the Gospels. But the Holy Spirit's kind of a gray blur. Do you ever feel that way? It's hard to describe the Holy Spirit or picture. What are, what are we picturing exactly? Someone once said, um, I first heard it from Billy Graham, someone may have said it before him, but uh, that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You know, you can't see the wind. You can't describe the wind. But you know the wind by its effects. You feel the effects of the wind and that's how you know when the wind is present and that the wind exists. And that's how we describe the wind. We always describe it by what the wind is doing. He says the Holy Spirit's like that. You can't see the Holy Spirit or describe the Holy Spirit but you know the Holy Spirit is present by what the Holy Spirit's doing. And when you describe the Holy Spirit you end up describing that part of God as um, by what the Holy Spirit of God does. So what, what we're going to do is we're going to see in these scriptures an amazing array of things that the wind of God's Spirit does. Because if we want to know God, the Holy Spirit, which is what today is all about, then we're going to have to be able to recognize when the wind of the Spirit is blowing. So we're going to see some things that the Spirit does, and that will help us know, ah, the Spirit is present at this moment. Now, in the Christmas story, Jesus is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, And in Hebrews chapter nine, verse fourteen, it says that everything Jesus did on the cross, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Hebrews chapter nine says, for the by the power of the eternal Spirit, Christ offered Himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So even everything that Jesus is doing from being born on Christmas until until His crucifixion is done by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is in and all around everything Jesus does. Jesus is very excited that God is going to give us the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, after he is resurrected, um, chapter 1, it says, Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is reminding them of something he said before the crucifixion in the upper room when they were all gathered there for the last supper, as it's sometimes called. And uh, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The, word cannot re- the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus is already hinting that uh, he's going to be crucified. He's going to rise again. He's going to ascend to heaven. And they're going to receive this Holy Spirit. And Jesus is already hinting that it will be my ongoing presence. Because you're going to know him because you're with him right now. Wink, wink. And soon he'll be in you. And so the Holy Spirit, um, he's telling us, is going to be his ongoing presence. Jesus calls the Spirit uh, things like the paraclete, the counselor, the advocate, And talks about him being the ongoing presence of God. So it's going to be an ongoing discernment. It's going to help them and us apply all that Jesus taught and all that Jesus is to every situation of life. Uh, Jesus says that also in that upper room meal just a little bit later. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he has heard. That's very interesting because that's how Jesus started his ministry. He says, I'm the son and I don't teach my own words. I teach only what I've heard from the father. And now he describes the spirit as exact in exactly the same words. He will tell you about the future. See, the interesting thing is when we study words of Jesus like this, we're studying words bound to a time and a place. Don't we do this all morning long on Sunday anytime Jesus says something we start in with this kind of talk what did that mean in the first century what how would they have understood it what Jesus said so what did that mean to them and then what could it mean to us we do that we do that work here each Sunday but when the Holy Spirit speaks the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and to you and to me and to you here in our time, in our culture, in our place. So the Holy Spirit um, is an ongoing presence that applies to each situation that God has given us to go forward, taking Christ into the future and at every time and place in the earth. So after Jesus is resurrected, immediately the church starts preaching that we need to repent of our sins and we need to turn to God, not just to receive forgiveness, that's a big part of what we receive but also so that we can receive the presence of God's spirit in our life they are equally excited about that not just eternal life but the presence of God in us right now so here we are on Pentecost Sunday Pentecost means 50 days um, following Easter the cross has the red cloth because red is the color of Pentecost symbolizes the fire of the Holy Spirit and here we are celebrating that day when the gift of the spirits poured out on the church And I just want to read you the last line of the first sermon of the church. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, they're equally excited about the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Spirit. Notice also that he's saying to turn to God, pray in the name of the Son, and receive the Spirit. So this is another one of those passages where the Trinity of God all appears together. In fact, the Bible says the very preaching of the church and the ability to understand it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're able to understand the preaching of the church and you hear preaching of the church, you think, oh, God's Spirit is present um, it says in First Corinthians uh, chapter 2, When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And if we realize upon hearing these words that we have sinned, that there's something not right in our life, that's also the work of the Holy Spirit in that moment. Um, Jesus said in that upper room, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So it's it's the Holy Spirit that lets us say, you know, this isn't the way my life was meant to be. I think there's something more. That's a moment of the wind of the Spirit passing through your life. And if that makes you want to turn to Christ, that's also a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God can curse Jesus. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So if you're having a year... Or you're seeing yourself differently. You're seeing the things of God differently. And and you're feeling like, I wonder if Jesus might be the way for me. You are having an encounter with God's Holy Spirit out in the world. This is what God the Spirit does. On the other side, a lot of times we'll invite, um, we'll we'll try to share God's love with someone, a friend maybe, or a family member, or a neighbor that we love. We might even invite them to church. They might even come. And then we're sometimes unpleasantly surprised that they just don't get it. They're kind of like, meh and we think how did it make such an impact on me and it seems to have nothing for them and so we pray prayers for folks like that that they might let down their walls that they would open their minds and open their hearts to the things of God but a better prayer might be that they could have an encounter with the Holy Spirit That God's Holy Spirit can show them because that's a gift from the Spirit if you're able to read these words and hear them and understand them and see yourself as God sees you and, and, and want to invite Jesus into your life. Those are all gifts from the Spirit. Maybe we should pray that for our friends and our family and our loved ones that they could also have this gift of the Holy Spirit. As we follow Christ and our lives begin changing and our hearts begin changing, our attitudes, that's called sanctification. And sanctification simply means to become more holy, which simply means to become uh, more about the things God is about. Or you could say to live more like Jesus lived. Well, that's also a gift of the Holy Spirit. The peace we feel when we're near the things of God, that's a gift of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says that the Holy Spirit is actually God's down payment. Isn't that an odd phrase? It's God's down payment saying, once you have the Holy Spirit, that's kind of my guarantee that all the promises of these scriptures are going to come to you. So you don't have eternal life yet, but if you have the Holy Spirit, eternal life's coming. You may not have all the sanctification in your life that you want right now, but you have the gift of the Spirit, so it's going to happen. Um, so let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. It's God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. So if God's still at work in your life, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. And as sanctification begins to change us, and we look and more act like Jesus, guess where that comes from? Anyone? Hey, all right. Someone paying attention. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. We am going to take a moment here. I'm going to read those again. Pick out one that you could use today. The Holy Spirit could bring you one of these qualities today. I know we'd like to have all of them, wouldn't we? We'll get there. Um, Let's just pick one for today. And we'll have a time later in the service when you can pray that the Holy Spirit would bring this to you. What could you use today? Is it love? Is it joy? Could you use peace? Or patience? Kindness? What about goodness or faithfulness? Maybe you would like the Holy Spirit to bring you gentleness or self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Couldn't that last line have been written to our social media culture? Let us not be conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Don't we need the power of the Holy Spirit in this electronic alternate world we've created? And I'm so thankful for our social media team here at Lakeland that's bringing the fruits of the Spirit into that place. We haven't always had that there. And when you're at your wit's end and you don't know how things are going to turn out when you don't even know what to pray for, you ever been in this situation could be for yourself or you're praying for someone else and you pray oh lord i pray this would just change and then you think oh but if that changed then they've got this mess that's going to be a problem and so well but if i pray for that then this you don't want to pray for i have a friend who's such a mess he's got his life in such a twisty knot that i don't know what part to pray for that it won't cause a worse problem it's almost like well i don't want to go into it but it's just a big it's just a huge mess and i don't know how to pray And we can be in that situation. There's this wonderful passage in Romans 8 that says the Holy Spirit in that moment can pray for us. Listen to this. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Sometimes your best prayer can just be to just lay on your bed and cry. Say, Lord, I don't know what to pray for, but Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pray for me because you can work all things for the good in ways I can't imagine. Your prayer will be a perfect prayer. You know all things of the Father. I don't. I don't know where you would get at this. And you just weep. And that's what it means to cry out to God sometimes. And the Holy Spirit is there to pray for us. And you know that good things are going on. And don't forget the church community. God, the Holy Spirit is making this community here at Lakeland. And it's making the community up the hill at United Methodist and down the road at New Springs and all the churches in town and around the world. The Holy Spirit is the engine of the church equipping it for good work in the world. So never forget the church as a place where the wind of the Spirit blows. We had a whole um, conference back in March about the call and God's power in the church. So if you have this awareness of the types of things that the Spirit does, then when these types of things come into your life, you can say, oh, now I'm in the presence of God's Holy Spirit. And the next time you find yourself not smart enough, not strong enough, not wise enough or influential enough for the difficulty you face, then you can request the aid of the Holy Spirit. Maybe your difficulty this morning is just believing in God. Maybe all this is very, very hard. You can pray. Yeah, you can pray even if you don't believe in God. If there's no one there, what's it going to hurt? So you pray, God, if you're real... Pray you'd send this Holy Spirit that could reveal that to me in a way that my mind and soul and heart and gut can feel comfortable with. Because all of us are different in how much it takes for us to feel comfortable with this sort of thing. You know me, if you're real. Send your Holy Spirit to reveal this to me and I'll keep my eye open. Again, if there's no God, if there's no spirit, you haven't lost anything. No one saw you do that. But if there is... Maybe there's something in these scriptures you struggle with and you think, I I, I can't believe that. That, I don't know about that. You can pray because the ability to understand the scriptures is a gift of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me if this is the right interpretation of this? And if it's not, the Holy Spirit will make you feel really comfortable. You don't have to do that, just as Grandma said. But if that is, in fact, the interpretation of these scriptures, then you could pray, Holy Spirit, Would you bring me something that makes make me comfortable that I can go ahead and move forward in my faith with this difficult thing and I can feel comfortable with it? Maybe you're faced with a difficult decision. You can pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to me so I can make this hard choice? Perhaps you have a difficult relationship. Holy Spirit, would you come and be between us and make this right again? Now, the Holy Spirit may speak something back to you. Like, uh, well, you need to go confront that person. You need to apologize. You need to say, you hurt me. Uh, You need to go to counseling together. So the Holy Spirit is not an easy button that you can hit and he does it all for you. The Holy Spirit is trying to make sure God's work is done in your life. And sometimes there are steps that you have to take. So take them. Now, perhaps going along with that, there's a task ahead of you that you don't think you can do. Maybe it's the thing the Holy Spirit asked you to do. You can pray, Holy Spirit, I'm going to have you go with me to give me the ability to do this thing that I cannot do. Maybe there's a sin you can't overcome. You've tried and tried. You can request the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you go to Mercy Street on Saturdays at 530, that's our 12-step ministry, and the 12 steps are really just 12 steps that teach us how to ask the Holy Spirit to remove these defects of character that we obviously cannot remove ourselves. Trying harder does not work. Just write that down. Trying harder does not work. It doesn't. And then the 12 steps, like why does it take 12 steps? Because usually we, we ask God to do something then we take it back and try to do it ourselves. So you need 12 steps to teach you how to ask God and leave it with God and trust God. And you can go to Mercy Street for Uh, substance abuse. You can go for sexual addiction. You can go because you have an anger problem. You can go because you are depressed. You suffer anxiety. You um, are stuck at a stage of grief that you cannot break out of in an appropriate amount of time. Um, You can go because you're codependent. You have an addict in your life. You just keep enabling them and enabling them, and neither of you are getting any better. Um, Anything that's a hurt or a habit or a hang-up, that you need the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life, you can go there for that. Maybe there's a positive trait that you wished you had more of. Peace or patience or kindness or gentleness or self-control. And you can pray the Holy Spirit to bring you these positive traits. And you know what? Getting one of the fruit of the Spirit into your life is no small thing. It's not like, oh, a little more gentleness will make the life a little bit easier. It can revolutionize everything. Just one character quality. Take kindness, for instance, and listen to this story. Larry and Joanne were an ordinary couple. They lived in an ordinary house on an ordinary street. Like other ordinary couples, they struggled to make ends meet and do the right things for their children. They were ordinary in yet another way. They had their squabbles. Much of their conversation concerned what was wrong in their marriage and who was to blame. Sound familiar? Until one day when the most extraordinary event took place. You know, Joanne, I've got a magic chest of drawers. Every time I open them, they're full of socks and underwear, Larry said. I want to thank you for filling them all these years. Joanne stared at her husband over the top of her spectacles. What do you want, Larry? (laughs) Nothing? I just want you to know I appreciate those magic drawers. This wasn't the first time Larry had done something odd, so Joanne pushed the incident out of her mind until a few days later. Joanne, thank you for recording so many correct check numbers in the ledger this month. You put down the right check number 15 out of 16 times. That's a record. (laughs) Disbelieving what she heard, Joanne looked up from her mending. Larry, you're always complaining about my recording the wrong check numbers. Why stop now? No reason. I just wanted you to know I appreciate the effort you're making. So Joanne shook her head and went back to her mending. What's gotten into him? She mumbled. Nevertheless, the next day when Joanne wrote a check at the grocery store, she glanced at her checkbook to confirm that she had put down the right check number. "Ah, Why do I suddenly care about those dumb check numbers, she asked. She tried to disregard the incident, but Larry's strange behavior intensified. Joanne, that was a great dinner, he said one evening. I appreciate all your effort. Why, in the past 15 years, I bet you fixed over 14,000 meals for me and the kids. Gee, Joanne, the house looks spiffy. You really worked hard to get it looking so good. And even Thanks, Joanne, for just being you. I really enjoy your company. Joanne was growing worried. Where's the sarcasm, the criticism? Her fears that something peculiar was happening to her husband were confirmed by 16-year-old Shelly, who complained, Dad's gone bonkers, Mom. He just told me I looked nice. With all this makeup and these sloppy clothes, he still said it. That's not Dad, Mom. What's wrong with him? Whatever was wrong... Larry didn't get over it. Day in and day out, he continued focusing on the positive. Over the weeks, Joanne grew more and more used to her mate's unusual behavior and occasionally even gave a grudging thank you. She prided herself in taking it all in stride until one day something so peculiar happened she became completely discombobulated. I want you to take a break, Larry said. I'm going to do the dishes. So please take your hand off that frying pan and leave the kitchen. Long long pause. Thank you, Larry. Thank you very much. Joanne's step was now a little lighter, her self-confidence higher, and once in a while she hummed. She didn't experience blue moods much anymore. I rather like Larry's new behavior, she thought. That would have been the end of the story except one day another most extraordinary event took place. This time it was Joanne who spoke, Larry, she said, I want to thank you for going to work and providing for us all these years. I don't think I've ever told you how much I appreciate it. Larry has never revealed the reason for his dramatic change of behavior, no matter how hard Joanne has pushed for an answer. And so it will likely remain one of life's mysteries. But it's one I'm thankful to live with. You see, I am Joanne by Joanne Larson. And if you want to know God, the Spirit, after you request the Spirit's aid, you will have to wait. You can't just throw up prayers to God and then jump off a cliff and say, catch me. (laughs) You must then wait for the response of the Spirit. Look for how the wind begins to blow. Uh, Look for changes in your heart. Look for changes in even what you feel compelled to pray for. Look for a change in your circumstances. Watch for words in scripture that come up now suspiciously at just the right moment. Or words in a worship song that touch you right in the moment. You kind of freeze right on that lyric. Everybody else sings on, you're kind of stuck on that last line. Or a person in church who uh, says just the right thing at just the right moment. Remember that the church is run on the engine of the Holy Spirit's power. And so you should go to church. I mean, the great thing about the Spirit is that the Spirit's inside you and everywhere you go, home, work, etc. But a lot of what the Spirit used to speak to us, Scripture, worship songs, other people who are filled with the Spirit, um, that is all here in, in large, you know, doses. And so a lot of what the Spirit does is at arm's length all around us here in this service. So you want to come here because there's a lot of stuff the Spirit could just easily move your direction here. And then whatever the Spirit says to you, you need to obey the Spirit. Spirit may ask you to do a difficult thing, and you think, I could never do that. Uh, I could never confront someone and say, I'm sorry, or say, you hurt me. I could never go to counseling with my spouse. We're not not the counseling type. I could never go into a 12-step meeting. That's for, you know, those people. I could never try to forgive someone. But know if the Spirit asks you, then the Spirit intends to go with you and give you that ability. The same Spirit that walked the road to the cross with Jesus is the same Spirit that wants to walk this road with you. And so take courage and do what the Spirit has asked you because you're not going to be alone. In that moment, you are in God's will, in God's presence, and filled with the power of God's own spirit. And that's why when this is all done, that you'll be saying, I give all the glory to God because I couldn't have done that. I don't do things like that. But God's Holy Spirit was with me and he did it. And I praise him. And I give him all the glory for what just happened. And that's what it means to know God, the Holy Spirit. One of the great things about Christ's death and resurrection is that it cleanses us so that we can become temples of the Holy Spirit. The temple of God had all this symbolism to remind us God's holy and you're not. Okay, God's presence was in this little curtained off area. Only a priest could go in there and only once a year. He was barely holy enough to show up once, one day a year in that space. And so there was a lot of that. But God was in the middle of the village to say, I want to be with you. Well, when, G- when Christ dies on the cross, the curtain in the temple is torn open. And the church begins to speak that now all of us become temples of the Holy Spirit. Christ made it so that God's presence can dwell right inside of us. And that is an exciting and powerful, powerful thing. Right alongside eternal life is the prospect of going through life from this moment and forever with the presence of God's Holy Spirit in us. And Jesus made that possible when he took a loaf of bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. I'm about to do something amazing. Jesus took a cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sin. That's what's going to make this possible. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death till I eat and drink it with you and my father's kingdom. So in just a moment, you'll be able to tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, receive it, and you're receiving the thing that makes it possible for God's Spirit to come live in you. And that's what God has always wanted since he very first put that tent in the Old Testament in the middle of the people. He said, other gods live on mountaintops and up behind the sun or something, but I'm right down here with you. And I'm going to do everything I can to bring you closer and closer into that most holy place. (laughs) Amen.